Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. So we are going through the Bean Challenge, and part of uh, what we're experiencing, what, 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 at least what I'm experiencing, is this paradox that is the Christian church. And a really easy example of this is when we take communion, it, it, the bread is both the bread and it is Jesus' body. These are two different things, and yet they, they are. So what we're kind of going through right now in the being challenged today is solitude. And yet, part of the being challenged as well is the opposite side of this, which is community. Solitude by yourself, community with others. They are both required. Now, now I'm going to test you. What are the other challenges? What are the other practices of the being challenge? Prayer? Prayer? Oh, here we go. (laughs) Y'all are paying attention. What else is misspelled prayer? What else is part of the being challenge? Louder? Studying scripture. Thank you. Anything else? Yes, choosing church. That's not how you spell church. (laughs) Choose church, not spelling. Uh, This is not part of the being challenged, but I think it is the other side of praying, and it's acting, or maybe serving. But it's it's like the, the action of. And so what we have is this paradox that we're asked to be uh, studying scripture, which is typically something that's like the memorization that you do by yourself, and then you come and you do that with people in this community. Be by yourself, uh, pray, focus on the voice of God, and be with other people. And so it can feel like uh, something that we are used to, though, one that has come out in um, in the lockdown more recently that we are all too familiar with is sweats and jeans. And maybe in the lockdown, we we were a little too heavy on the sweats, you know? I forgot where I put my jeans. And all of this is encompassed into uh, what God has called us to, and he has made out some rules or some guidelines that says if you live within these uh, boundaries, you will have an abundant life. And when you walk outside of them, there is grace and room to come back. That God has built a bridge through Jesus that says, I am coming to you. And so when we are outside the boundaries, Jesus says, I'm here with you. So when we when we end up going through a study like this that has high practicality, high practice, it can feel like these pieces, the, the being challenged pieces, are all uh, requirements of what it means to be inside the, the people of God. And instead, Jesus, through his grace, is saying, you're, you're inside, you're inside. Do you want to experience freedom? 
Do you want to experience liberation? Then I've got some things for you that you can do that will allow you to, ex- to continue to experience the grace I've already given to you. How powerful is that? Because when so often the people of God, I'm very guilty of this, will put yourself at the center of the story. And when you do, these things are in competition with your time, your energy, your checklist, your kids, your schedule, your kids' schedule, the things you care about, your causes, the problems that you have, these are in competition with you. If you try to do these things, put it on your calendar. Your calendar will become full. But when you put Jesus at the center, when, when all those things that I listed, those are good things. Those are just mirrors to God's glory. He has allowed us to participate in those things. They're not the point, but they point to Jesus. When Jesus becomes the center of the story, these things are no longer uh, competition, but instead they are liberation. They go, oh, wow, I, I do not know what to do with the next step in my life. I am incredibly scared. You have one who listens to your fears through prayer. Do you want to know what the next step is for what God has called you to? There is a place for that to discern God's voice. You, you think you figured it out? Bring it to the community and then, and then put it up against his word. And so when, you, when we practice today's solitude, when we practice solitude, it can feel incredibly difficult because we, we don't have um, currently a plan or room for it. And so it then becomes another thing. I'm with you. It feels like another thing. I think every time I've been asked to preach, they, they find something I'm terrible at, and they say, go do that one. Why don't you preach on rest? Oh, no. I, that's not my thing. So they did it again. They found another thing. <laughs> They're like, make this guy do solitude. Uh, Justin, the iPad kind of got funny on me. Would you be able to uh, just walk me through slides? So when we read the Bible, it's really easy to look at the scripture, this is, you know, I'm talking to myself here, and go, oh, this is what Jesus did? That's who I'm putting myself into the story as. And we, we don't get to do that. When you, when you read the story, you get to insert yourself into the disciples' spot. That's, that's your place. That's you and I's place. We are the disciples. And it just makes it a lot easier because Jesus is saving humanity. The disciples are pointing to Jesus who saved humanity. We are all pointers. They told you it's rude to point? Mm-mm. You get to point to Jesus. So well, let me give you a definition of solitude, and then I'm going to ask you who does it. So solitude, creating intentional space of quiet where you are listening to the voice of God through prayer, through uh, reading scripture, through um, maybe it's like, like repeating back promises of God. You are intentionally... Uh, listening for the voice of God in intentional silence, either with other people or, or just on your own. But like you're intentionally creating that space, five minutes or more. If you do that with some sort of regularity 
and you get to pick what's regular, one, once a week, once a month, once, whatever. If you do that with some sort of regularity, could you just put your hand up for us? Oh, this is great. Can you put them up a little higher and everyone else take a look around the room? These will be our leaders in what solitude looks like. So when you go, oh, I'm horrible at this, you get to go, Cindy, can you help me? Because I'm pretty bad at it. What do you do? And this is how we grow as a community and as a church with each other. This is the benefit of the community. So Cindy will be a leader. And I saw someone, Carol, Carol had her hand up. Carol will be a leader. You find them and you make them, you make them tell you about solitude. <laughs> the rest of us, you know, you're probably with me. It's not a regular practice. And that's fine. That's fine. Look, there's grace. There's grace. Jesus lets us back. He just says, you're with me. So I, I found this, uh, this quote inside this book that I just thought was incredibly powerful. Uh, it's talking about prayer, silence, and solitude. What is solitude? It is the furnace of transformation. Ooh, furnace of transformation. That's a cool phrase. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. The false self meaning earning your value. However you do that, we are all guilty of this, earning your value. That solitude gets to uh, melt away earning your value because when you are spending time in the presence of God, you are learning my value is not my own. I don't get to create it. God has created it. How powerful is that? You get to be liberated from being cool, looking good, saying the right things, having enough money, not having too much money. And instead, your value is stripped away, stripped away from those things. And instead, you're just being told, you are a child of God made in my image. And that is enough. So one of the things that makes this so difficult, solitude, one of the things that makes this so difficult is that we are filled with distractions. I mean, if you've got a phone, it is so easy to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, call out Missy for a second so she's not in the room, so it makes it a little easier. <laughs> she took Facebook off her phone, but she just accesses it through the website. <laughs> you still got it. Don't tell her I said that. <laughs> we all have some sort of distraction in our life, whether it's your phone, whether it's your kids, whether it's your work. If you're a parent and you have kids, you probably know this, that you can't even go to the bathroom without their fingers being underneath the door trying to get to you. Like it's a zombie movie. What is this? <laughs> and if you're single and, and you're being asked to do things, how easy is it to feel like you have to because you don't have a family or whatever us obligations. So you're like, oh, I guess I have to expend myself and keep saying yes to things. That there is always something that, that will pull you away from and pull you off course. And this was really convicting when I heard this. What if none of those things are pulling you off course because you never built a course to begin with? Because you never had a plan. I'm saying you too. Because you never had a plan for your own spiritual growth to begin with. They can't pull you off course. There was no course. So the being challenge, and like the rest of our lives, is offering 
And there's more than these spiritual practices. There's, there's a whole lot more. These are just ones that, that, that they offer. Are offering a course, a plan, a roadmap that for 40 days you say, hey, let's do some small habits. And then we're going to look back in five years and go, wow, look at the journey that I've gone on. Look at the Jesus that I have come to know more and more and more, and his grace is so much uh, more apparent to me because I spent time with him. How powerful is that? We're going to make a course. And if you don't, then you got people like Cindy, you got people like Carol, who will help you. (laughs) I think one of the reasons that it feels so hard to do this, solitude, is because it feels like abandoning responsibility. That to be alone, to intentionally build time alone, is to say no to some other stuff, right? And that if you're alone, you are saying no to, maybe it's your job, the things you volunteered for, your kids, and that you'll get behind. And that instead, taking a posture of those things are important. Solitude is also important. Spending time with Jesus is important. Let's go to Mark. One of the things that is absolutely incredible about uh, what we just read, and if you want to see this on your, um, on your phone or on the, on the actual Bible, go to Mark 1, and I'll go through this very quickly, but you can like, track along if you'd like. If you're like a highlighter, you can write in your Bible. Um, Mark is this incredible gospel writer where, especially if you read Matthew, it starts so slow. The first chapter is a list of names that he might have made up. He didn't make them up. But it's like, I'm definitely skipping this. It has importance, but it's hard to read. Mark doesn't start like that. Mark starts like a Greek tragedy. And the first line, does anyone have Mark 1 pulled up? You will in a minute. Um, if when you do, just kind of signal to me, and, and I'll ask you to read something. Can you, can you read the first sentence of Mark 1? Mark 1.1. One, one. Uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right there. This guy's going to die. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Are you kidding me? That's the first line? We all know he's going to die. That's how Greek tragedies are written. The beginning tells you the end. We have just learned, if you're claiming to be the son of God, you're not going to make it long in this world. And, and he doesn't. He ends up getting killed. But of course, he is the son of God, and he comes back, and he says, my life has been a ransom for you. You are welcome into my kingdom. So we learn immediately, Mark likes to go really fast, and the way it's laid out is, is uh, incredibly intentional. Look at Mark 1 and kind of like scroll or flip with me. Uh, Mark 1. G- uh, John the Baptist declares... Uh, that he will baptize, that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit, not with water. Ooh, that's powerful. Then Jesus arrives, and God says, speaks for the first time in like 500 years, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What? Come on. Then Jesus calls four disciples. They all say yes. He's got a 100% success rate on recruitment. Jesus then casts out evil spirits. He then heals. This is what Joey just read. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then the whole town 
gathers at the door and brings sick people and demon-possessed people, and Jesus is just healing them left and right. This is incredibly powerful. This is happening in like, uh, like 30 verses. All of this has happened. This is really fast-paced. Then we're hit with this. Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Fast-paced, fast-paced, pause. It's meant to show us how important it is. It's much easier to see the, the pause when you have action. And I'm sure that when you look at your own life, it feels full. And maybe feels too full. When, when would I have time for solitude? It is too hard. Listen, I'm here to say I said the exact same thing, and then I did it. And there was time, and I survived. It was incredible. It was amazing. I do not do this. This is not my thing. I might make it my thing now. So, like, you have accountability to me and me to you. You can ask me about my solitude time. So I've done it twice this year, and we're in November. Okay? I'm not good at this. Um, I'm asking you for your help. So when Jesus... Uh, spends time alone, you, we then see uh, what Simon, Simon comes and finds him, and he says this to him. Can you go to the next slide? Uh, that he went and looked for him and said, what are you doing? Everyone's looking for you. Why are you by yourself? Um, we just did some incredible stuff. This is the time to plant the church. This town loves us here. Let's spend time here. You're doing incredible things. We're well-liked here. Everyone's looking for you. Let's uh, be here. And instead, Jesus is quiet. Instead, Jesus is spending time with his father. And, and then he says, let's go on to uh, another town. What is revealed inside of solitude is that there are these three pieces that solitude helps uh, bring out. It reveals competing priorities. When, when Simon comes to uh, Jesus and says, uh, essentially, where have you been? We've got work to do. Reveals competing priorities. There, there's more people that are interested in your healing. And maybe selfishly, there's more people that will like us. Man, does it feel good to, to be surrounded by the crowd. Jesus, Jesus. And like slowly the disciples go, I think they're chanting our name. They're not chanting our name. They're chanting Jesus' name. Reveals competing priorities. There, there are plenty more people to heal. There are plenty more people to teach. And Jesus says, I will spend time alone. Silences competing voices. In, in, in this moment, it's the disciples. The competing voice is Simon's. What are you doing? I'm, shouldn't we be with people? And Jesus says, I will be with my Father. And then lastly, solitude allows you to focus on the heart of God because you're seeking his voice. You're looking for what it is that he has for you. And this is Jesus we're talking about, and he is still doing it. He's still spending time in solitude. Later, we'll find in uh, Mark 6, when he feeds the 5,000, that he brings the disciples into solitude with him, and he practices the solitude together. Wow, what does that look like? To be silent in a room with people? That would be the hardest thing in the world for me. If I'm going to be in the room with you, we're going to talk. 
To be silent in the room with you would be very challenging. And yet, this is what Jesus models and offers and gives to his disciples. They go out in the boat, and they are quiet together before. This is what's so powerful. He does the solitude before the feeding of the 5,000. In this moment, we get to see it after the big event. How many times do we pray before the big event? How many times are we praying after the big event? Probably not so much. Guilty. I'm guilty. Lastly, this is a pop quiz now, focuses on the heart of God. About a month ago, I was talking about Sabbath rest, and Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest, for my heart is, and he offers two descriptor words. Do you remember what they are? You can guess. Peace, very close, but that's not it. Easy, we're getting closer. Gentle, yes. That the heart of God, heart of Jesus, is gentle. And there's one more. Light? Not light, but it does start with an L. Love? We're getting closer. It's lowly. A probably more common word that you and I are using is accessible. That the heart of God is accessible. Do you want to know who your God is? There's not a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's not a lot of right words. There's just time. There's just time with him to spend in his grace. Because it has been lavished upon you. This is how I want, to, this is how I want us to close. God wants to spend time with you. This is the only time in the, in the Gospels, this is in Mark 3, if you wanted to go there yourself and see it. This is Mark 3, 13. And again, the juxtaposition, uh, if you go uh, Mark 3, 7, the crowds are following Jesus and they're pressing in on him. Then we get to 13, and Jesus walks up on the mountainside called to him those he wanted. Talking about the disciples. Crowd of people calls to them those he wanted. He appointed the 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach. This is two words, but it really matters and it can be easy to pass by. That they might be with him. That he first calls us to being with. How powerful is this? That Jesus isn't just asking us to do some stuff, but he's asking us to be with him. I love that because I am so uh, consumed by what's the checklist? So we just had a meeting, what are we doing? And maybe that's like an American concept, but here we have the, uh, the God of the universe saying, first, before the, a lot of the work, let's just be with. And that's what all of this is pointing to. Liberation from, from the chains of action and checklist to go, it's not nearly as important as being with. This is something that we desperately need to remind ourselves of. And that's why we come together to do that, to remind ourselves of Jesus' grace. You don't get to earn it. You don't get to earn it, but you do get to experience it 
and have it wash over you. If you don't know how to do solitude, this is what I uh, read about, practiced, and it was amazing. So let me give you what I found, and then you go and find the people who had their hands up, and you ask them, what does their solitude look like? And they will also help you. This is the solitude that I found that was incredibly helpful. Uh, Just, if you take your Bible, if you have a physical one, and you open it in the middle, that's generally where the Psalms are, find one, and for five minutes, read it. Not to learn something, not to like figure out what does the Greek words mean, but just to let it be uh, what it is. Let it be true. Let the words wash over you. For five minutes, set a timer. Oh my gosh, it was liberating. So that's what I want to do for us right now as I close. I'm going to read a psalm over us. And then this week, this month, let us challenge ourselves to finding time in solitude, either with yourself or with your spouse, with your friend, with your family. Make it a priority to spend time alone and quiet because there is a lot of noise that is competing for your attention. Let us give our attention over to Jesus. Let me pray for us. And I'm going to, this is, I'm going to pray this out of Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangle me, of busyness, of worry, of not having enough, of the oppression that is happening to me, nothing that I get to control, of the schedule of my kids, of the calendar of my life, the cords of death entangle me. The torrents of destruction overwhelm me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I call to the Lord. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless, his shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord and who is the rock expert, our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. God, when we do not have words, you have plenty of words for us. Let us be reminded of your promises are true and your grace is free and covers over us. In your name we pray, amen.